My mic sounds nice. Check one. I said my microphone sounds nice when it's on. Check two. Welcome you all to another edition, another dudcast of Beyond the Rim, the podcast. And tonight my special guest is a longtime dear friend of mine. He is a host of the late night talk show After Hours with T.C. Rastani. And he's also a podcaster under the same name, After Hours with T.C. Rastani. I give to you the one, the only, a good friend of mine, T.C. Rastani. T.C., say hello to all of the peoples out there. How's it going out there, Nesta? Wonderful to be on your program. Unbelievable. It's lucky about I'm a multi-time award-winning television talk show My motto is always take no promotion like self-promotion. So I want you to self-promote all that you can, brother. Yes, with TC. All right, well, well, there there we go right there. Five-time winner, best late-night talk show after I was at TC Rustani. For those of you who don't know what the program is, back in 2003, I decided to do a late-night talk show in the vein and tribute to the greatest uh, talk show host of all time, Johnny Carson. And, of course, my mentor, the late, great Bobby the Brain Heenan, who inspired me with his four-part episodes of the Bobby Heenan Show in 1989. It left an impact on me. I decided to do a show. 2003, we launched our very first guest on the show, but none other than the late, great Mr. Miyagi himself, Pat Morita, and the late, great Sherman Helmsley, a.k.a. George Jefferson from the Jefferson. You can't start any bigger than that. Mr. Nesta Dudley. You cannot start any bigger than that. And I have had the pleasure to be in the audience in your show. You know, you've had a few guests over the years that I have particular interest in. One was my favorite independent wrestler, Trey the Smooth Operating Gangster. But even better than Trey the Smooth Operating Gangster, TC, we're coming up to that time time of year and the first time yes, I we are. and the first time I saw that man tis the seasons to be exact and the first time I saw this person I had no clue that he existed but talking to him he makes sense from South Central South Pole Cedric Claus it's been a while since he I seen it. been a while since I seen Cedric Claus uh, TC uh, whatever well, happened to Cedric Claus <clears throat> excuse me here I got I'm, I'm kind of a little nervous I'm on your program here uh, <laughs> well Cedric Claus I got a text message from him not too long ago and he's actually going to be on uh, on an upcoming episode around the holiday season, uh, he's back. He has a lot of things to say. He's very displeased from what he told me in the text about all the people doing online shopping. Well, I can see that. I mean, online shopping would cut strictly into his gigs. It would uh, it would actually um, affect his bottom line. It would affect his bottom line. It, it got so bad that he has sent out Rufus, the homeless helper, out on the road to generate business. Wow, things have really been, you know, when you're sending out Ruthless the Homeless Helper, Ruthless the Homeless Helper, boy, can we make a hashtag about that? Hashtag Ruthless the Homeless Helper. From what I heard, he's somewhere north of San Francisco right now trying to do uh, uh, some uh, some peddling work for uh, Cedric Claus. Wow, so he's out there in San Francisco doing some peddling work, and I got to tell you, it's certainly nicer weather out there north of San Francisco than it is in uh, the metropolitan Boston area, easy for me to say. <laughs> oh, really? Well, that, that's fantastic out there. Well, so if you're listening out there, uh, Cedric, we can't wait to have you on the program, and at Rufus, stay on the road. We don't need you on the show, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to your upcoming show. But right now, today's podcast, we're going to talk about a couple of uh, um, cons- 
conspiracy theories. What I didn't know about you, TC, and I've known you for all my life, I think, about uh, 56, 57 years. I've (laughs) known you all my life. And I didn't know that you were into conspiracy theories. So, you know, um, you're one of my mentors when it comes to the the podcast platform and my last podcast my last dudcast dudcast number five i had josephine royal who is a host of uh, community show let me tell you something and that podcast was called kennedy king kennedy and what it did it just looked at the assassinations of both john f kennedy robert f kennedy and dr martin luther king jr in the 60s and how she felt as a young person at that time so kennedy king kennedy you listened to that podcast and you tweeted me and you said nesta you know all that's a work all that's a conspiracy and i said i did not know that will you be willing to be on a podcast and you said absolutely i I only know about the jfk assassination i'm I'm not really into uh or looked into i should say uh the rfk and the mlk assassination Actually, I I stand to be corrected. You know, you are right. Let's make it clear. Let's make it clear. You did say JFK. You did not say RFK. You did not say MLK. Be clear. You did say JFK, President John F. Kennedy, President number 35. President number 35. Okay. He was the 35th president of the United States. Okay. So with that... Everybody knows it is um, ancient history now that on Friday, November 22nd, 1963, at 12.30 p.m. in Dallas, Texas, while riding in the presidential motorcade, the 35th president, John F. Kennedy, was assassinated. And it's going down in history. Everyone knows that the person who assassinated him is Lee Harvey Oswald. And to that, T.C., you say... What I say is, well, first and foremost, I want to let everybody know, I was not around on November 22nd, 1963. I was not there unless I have access to a DeLorean time machine. I have not even <laughs> been to Dallas, Texas, other than through the video scope of watching world-class championship wrestling out of the Dallas Sportatorium or watching J.R. get shot on Dallas. So I want to make that perfectly clear. I was not there. I have no involvement. Uh, I have no family or relatives or friends that were involved that I know of. Uh, that were there either on November 22nd, 1963. But from what I've learned through history, you know with this as well as I do, uh, Nestor, that history is just stories from one generation to the next. It could be fabricated. It could be truth. You don't know unless you were actually there, correct? Correct. <clears throat> okay. In 1991, uh, a movie came out by Oliver Stone called JFK. Now, I kind of knew about the JFK assassination, what I learned in the history books in school, and, uh, you know, growing up around the New England area, spending a lot of time here, I have a lot of friends and family that were alive and were loyal Kennedy supporters. So, obviously, I heard the, I don't know what's the truth, or what is perceived as the truth, that Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone nut assassin that blew away JFK in Dallas in 63. That's the, I that, go see the movie. That's the way I learned it in history. And it opens up my mind. How so? Well, <clears throat> it gives you different, you know, theories are something you think about or, or, or from different points of view, correct? Correct. Okay. So this was Oliver Stone's interpretation from, you know, testimonies that he's gotten from, uh, you know, people that were actually involved in the case against the, you know, lone assassin, JFK, uh, and came up with this, uh, you know, 
tale or is it fact? I don't know. But it just made me, I sat there in the theater saying, you know what, there's more to this than sees the eye. And I started investigating and investigating, investigating. And not just from JFK, there were other people who were out there, you know, at the time there was no internet in 1991. So what you had to go by was stuff you looked up, you know, kids looked up in an encyclopedia or what you heard on late night talk show radio. Uh, because at the time, you know, I'm going to say it, there could have been censorship trying to hide the truth. That makes sense. Yep. And <clears throat> because of that movie, it got people talking and more people talking and more people talking and more people coming out saying, well, I was there that day and this is what I saw. And then people who were involved in the military that were trying to say, you know, I can't take this anymore and I'm going to say this and that and this. And <clears throat> it, 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 it's like a whirlwind of conspiracy and it makes you think. It really makes you think. Now, do I think that Lee Harvey Oswald was there that day? Absolutely, he was there that day. Do I think that he pulled the trigger? No. I don't think he... I think he was involved in the plot, just like he said the real Lee Harvey Oswald when he got arrested that day. I'm just the patsy. So, basically, he could have been involved in a huge conspiracy. He was the guy to take the fall all along, but little did he know that he was going to get whacked to shut up. You see what I'm saying? I understand... And I see exactly what you're saying. I mean, you know, if you're the stooge and you just cannot have any witnesses, and if this is a conspiracy theory, as it has opened your mind, you know, that is completely plausible that um, not only was he not the lone uh, person involved with this, not only did he not pull the trigger, but yeah, but somebody whacked him to keep him shut, mouth shut. Right. And who did they have whack him? Jack Ruby, who was associated with the Dallas mob. All right, it wasn't like somebody from the, uh, you know, the Kennedy administration, the Kennedy family went up and whacked him. He was a guy who was involved in the mob, you know, and, and, and you know as well as I do, the mob has rules and regulations that they fall by. You have to take orders, and if you don't take those orders from your commanders in the mafia at the time, you yourself are going to get whacked. You're going to get whacked. You're going to be wearing cement overshoes. You're going to be um, swimming with the fishes. All those cliches are true. Being in the mob well, is this, no joke. All of this was... Um, did I say the, that the mafia was involved? I say on a lower level that the mafia was involved because look at the facts. All right, when you're the president of the United States, we all learn this through television, movies, history books, and whatnot. The Secret Service have advanced teams. Now they go, say the president of the United States, past, president, or future, is coming to a major metropolis. Say they're coming to Boston to do a, a reading somewhere, like at a library. Two weeks in advance, or however it is, they have an advanced team go around and make sure that there's nothing out of place. They have their own Secret Service on the ground. They have, uh, you know, snipers everywhere. You know, going back to Dallas, there really wasn't a military presence on the ground. You really didn't feel that from what I've been told by people who were actually in, there that day or people, you know, I read about, saying that it didn't feel like a big security area. I mean, there were windows open in buildings, supposedly. That's where Lee Harvey Oswald did the shooting from. If you're, if you're protecting the most powerful human being in the universe, you wouldn't let these little things slide. You wouldn't let the president go around without a canopy over his, his, um, his limousine, correct? Correct. You wouldn't make him take a weird turn in Dealey Plaza like he did. Now, supposedly, I mean, if Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone assassin, wouldn't he, as he was coming up, he turned from Houston to Elm, 
wouldn't you get him coming up Houston where it's a direct shot right in front of you, and if you had you know, the, the gun that he supposedly had and shot off three shots, you'd have a perfectly front, front shot right in front of you. Boom, you miss, boom, you get him, boom, you get him. You don't wait till he turns and goes in front of obstacles like trees and street lights and all and, and uh, people sitting there in a moving target from the back. You don't do that. You absolutely don't do that. And basically, I think what happened was they got him in that area in Dealey Plaza, and it was kind of like a turkey shoot, like they said in the movie. They had multiple shooters at different angles. In case one guy missed, another one had was there to take out the take out the uh, the uh, the job. And supposedly he was shot three or four times, correct? Correct. Okay. I'm not an expert. I don't claim to be an expert. That I'm, I have a Ph.D. in JFK conspiracy. I'm just uh, a person, a citizen who has, you know, an interest in this. Now, he got shot, supposedly, you know, from the back three times by Lee Harvey Oswald. Now, if you watch the Abraham Zapruder film, that was the guy who was actually out on the grassy knoll filming the actual assassination... There was an obstacle in the way. There was a little road sign. And before the road sign, you heard the first shot, supposedly. And Kennedy comes from behind the, the traffic sign, and he's holding his neck. Because, all right, he was shot in the back of the neck. It came through his neck and through out of his body into Governor Connolly, who was sitting right in front of him. And that was the magic bullet theory that created several uh, injuries, seven injuries with one bullet. All right, there's the first shot, right? The second shot supposedly missed and hit the ground and hit a bystander, a guy by the name of Kay, who actually got nicked by something. The theory is that a bullet hit the ground, bounced on the cement, and, and, and he got hit with a fragment. And the third and final kill shot came from the front, from the grassy knoll. I mean, if you got, you, you've been around. You've you played sports when you were a kid, right, Dan Nesta? Oh, yes, I have. Okay. And when you're a kid, you get hit in the back of the head with it. You know, someone comes right and just slaps you in the back of your head. Or you play dodgeball and you get hit in the back of the head. What way does your head go when you get hit from the back? You get hit in the back of the head. Your head naturally uh, uh, goes forward. Goes forward. Goes yeah. forward. That's just basic All physics, right. brother. Basic physics. We are on planet Earth. Now, he got shot, supposedly from the back, by Lee Harvey Oswald with the third bullet. And which way did his head go? His head went backwards. His head went back and to the left from the other direction. So unless physics don't work in Dallas, Texas, there's no physical way that a bullet coming from the back of his head would make his head go backwards and to the left. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. I mean, it's right there in front of you. Obviously, the people, the, 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 the media played it up, you know, three shots, blah, blah, blah. And you were convinced because they showed it over and over and over again saying, and there's the third shot, back. It hit him. It hit him in the head. Boom. He went forward. No, no. He got shot from the front and went backwards. I mean, I mean and if you watch any of those video, or excuse me, films, there was no video at the time, films of that day, there were multiple people recording with different cameras that day. After the, the final fatal headshot hit him, you saw people rushing towards the grassy knoll because 50 people supposedly went in front of the Warren Commission, which was never published, uh, their testimony, saying that they heard shots from the grassy knoll and people ran towards it. You know, if you, if you, you just watch, watch your president of the United States get assassinated. You And, you know, back then, a lot of people were more patriotic than they are now. We're going to run and find out, hey, this guy or something just happened to our president, and it happened that way, not up on the sixth floor of the book depository. You're right. You're right. You haven't said anything right now that makes me go, hmm, in disagreement. No, you're right. 
I mean, and then when they took him to Parkland Hospital, they did the autopsy there, right? Or so, you know, it wasn't even done by uh, the Parkland people. But people have said that the, the his brain was coming out of a, a, out of the back of his head, but it wasn't the the front shot was where something entered because that's where the most damage was. Boom! In the front of his head. If you watch this Zapruder film, you see his head explode in the front. Correct. It's common knowledge. And, uh, you know, supposedly they wanted, you know, the real military, uh, wanted, or the people in Dallas wanted to do a full autopsy, and the brain mysteriously disappeared. You know why? Because someone found knew which way the bullet really came from, and they kayfabe the world. They took the man's brain because of anybody with half a brain could look at the brain and say, hey, mm, this is where the bullet came in, and this is where the bullet exited. Fascinating. Fascinating. It is fascinating. And, and, you know, don't believe me. I'm not an expert on this. I don't claim to be. Do your own thinking. Do your own investigating. That's what I did. And and, and I've come to the conclusion, even after you, but I saw the movie JFK, even before going in, I was kind of skeptical, saying, you know, this is too perfect. This was too perfect that a lone, crazy person, who was far away, by the way. I mean, when Ronald Reagan was uh, attempted to be assassinated, the guy uh, was like, what, five feet in front of him? Yes, and everyone was on him like white on rice. I mean, you know, they just didn't right. play around. Yes, white on rice. Yes. And oh, speaking, of, I'm glad you brought that up. The Secret Service. If you watch the film footage of the president at the airport, getting off and getting into his limousine, you can see a couple of the Secret Service people being told by the superiors to get off the limousine. And one of them actually opens up his arms, going, "What? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Look it up. It's out there." I definitely will look it up. And to our stream, this, this was a setup, a military. Uh, coup d'etat from the beginning, and it had uh, Lyndon Johnson waiting in the wings to become the president of the United States. I certainly will. Look. Big work. I mean, for those wrestling fans out there, this was the ultimate Montreal screw job. I was just going to make reference to the Montreal screw job. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what this was. They didn't want Kennedy because Kennedy was going to, you know, it was going to dismantle the CIA, shut down the Vietnam War. And everybody knows that the wars make a lot of money, and you're not going to dismantle the CIA because that's, you know, that's where all these people keep all their secrets and whatnot. It's just he was just going to change things. He was a president who wanted to change things, and they changed things for him. Wow! And as TC said, as TC said, these are events. He wasn't around. He w- he was not born yet. And and what I said and what I said on my last podcast, I quote Curtis Blow. These are events that happen before eyes alive. So these are events that happen before eyes alive. These are events that happen before you, T.C. Vistani, was alive. But this is just T.C. Vistani, his opinion. As he said, he is no conspiracy expert and all that, but he knows his research. He knows what he watched on film. And Right. It's just, I, I just use, you know, common sense out there. You know, the facts were in front of me. The visual is in front of me, all right? If, if there wasn't a visual, if there wasn't the Abraham Zapruder film, we could be debating this for eternity. Right. But the proof is in the pudding. It's right there in front of you. You know, the biggest place to hide a lie is right in front of someone's eyes, correct? That is correct. And it, boom, right there. They didn't expect, you know, this isn't like today where every kid in the world has a cell phone and records everything in it of every second. This is 1963, and they didn't think of a guy who was going to be out there with a camera. And if he did, big deal. They, I mean, the, the film wasn't seen for six or seven years after it actually happened because it was obtained and it was in a vault at the Time Life Building in New York City before it was uh, subpoenaed to go, you know, uh, when Jim Garrison brought this whole thing to trial. And that was the first time anybody saw the film 
was in that courtroom. Right. You know, obviously we've seen the film, you know, at least years later and whatnot. Um, but getting back to Lee Harvey Oswald, he was supposedly up on the sixth floor of the of the book depository building, shot six, uh, you know, three shots off in six seconds with a crappy bolt-activated rifle, right? They've had marksmen try to do this multiple times, and they couldn't even do it. I have a friend, I'm not even going to mention his name on here, uh, who had his, his wife's relative was actually in the Marines with Lee Harvey Oswald, okay? And he couldn't shoot a barn three feet in front of him with a machine gun if he had to, all right? Wow. That's how bad of a shot this guy was. Wow. <laughs> all right? Um, now, if he was upstairs doing the shooting, your adrenaline's pumped up, right? Yes. You just supposedly killed the President of the United States. You're going to get out of that building as quickly as you can. Witnesses that day saw him downstairs minutes or moments after it actually happened, calm, cool, and collective, not out of breath, not blown up, drinking a Coke. All right? If you just blew away the President of the United States, are you going to stick around? Not only are you not going to stick around, TC, if you knew that, you know, this is what you're going to do. Obviously, you planned this out X amount of time in advance. So you plan out, OK, this is the route that's going to happen. I'm going to take this shot. And then you also plan your exit route. Right, TC? So, you know, right. yeah. So, you know, so whether or not that you had a car waiting for you or you were running through the alleys. And I don't know because I've never been to Dallas, Texas either. And I don't have any relatives there. But I, but I however, did love watching WCCW and the sport tournament and all that. I love watching all that stuff too, brother. But you're going to have your escape route planned out. You're not going to be chilling, drinking a Coke and a smile. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> that ain't happening, no. <laughs> I mean, and if the, if the shots rang out from that building, wouldn't you know the average citizen or cops or whatnot that weren't in on it are going to run to the, you know, up there and say, wait a minute, I just saw... And how did no one see him in the window? Yeah. <laughs> it was only on the sixth floor. It was a nice clear sunny day i mean if you hear one gunshot aren't you automatically by instinct going to look up and see where that came from oh absolutely you just that and you... this guy supposedly shot up three of them and no one saw him <laughs> and then this guy goes downstairs is witnessed by people saying oh i, I he just had a coke the cops did go to the building um but he walked casually walked out of the building and then uh went to supposedly back to his home, got a gun, and killed a cop, uh, a Dallas cop, and then went to the movie theater. And he just walked into the movie theater, and even though he had money in his pocket, I believe he had 14 or $15, the movies back then were what? A, a buck, maybe 50 cents, whoever it was? He didn't pay, and the movie theater uh, uh, attendant called the cops because some guy went in the movie without paying, and then half the Dallas police showed up at this movie theater. So <laughs> someone had to know something. All right? I mean, I've snuck in the movie theaters before, and they haven't called the cops. No, they did. One guy showing up because uh, someone sneaking into a movie theater isn't the crime of the century, and the entire police department isn't going to come knocking down asking if I have butter on my pocket. <laughs> and even then, and even they were to call the cops. I mean, we've all been to movie theaters where the cops that they have on hand, they are cops, but they're the older, close to retirement cops, you know? So those are going to be the type of uh, policemen that's right. going to so be there. So when this guy dropped a dime on, on the guy who snuck in the movie theater, who turned out to be Lee Oswald, all of the cops showed up. <laughs> <laughs> all right? Now, was that Lee Harvey Oswald's meeting place uh, with his handlers? You know, like you said, he was the patsy. Obviously, he was in on it. Let's just say, without his question about he was in on what was going on that day, but he wasn't the guy who pulled the trigger, okay? He was, he was there. He was the scapegoat, but he didn't know he was the scapegoat. He did not know he was going to do the job. 
he did not know that he was he was the one that was going to be fingered. He was probably given orders. Okay, we want you here. This is what's going to happen. Blah 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 blah. Because he was a military guy. This is a guy who back in the '60s, you know, renounced his U.S. citizenship, went defected to Russia, and then came back. I mean, this is in the heart of the Cold War. How did that happen? I mean, you have to know somebody in higher locales to to pull that off. You that that would be like you know. Today, you saying, you know what, I'm going to go defect to Iraq, all right, <laughs> and and hang out there for a while and, and want to come back to the United States. I mean, there's a lot of red tape and paperwork that would probably have to happen. This isn't 1990 when Sergeant Slaughter said, I want my country back, and they gave it to him, okay? <laughs> I still can't, personally, I still can't believe that Sergeant Slaughter turned his back on his country, and I can't believe the country gave him back. And, you know, just thank the good Lord above for Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Ho! Oh, because was, it wasn't for him, I don't think Sergeant Slaughter would have ever gotten his country back. <laughs> but, yeah, this is, I mean, there's so many weird things that took place that day. And, I mean, look, look at it. If you haven't seen the movie JFK, I recommend it. Is it all factual? I have no idea. But it makes you think. That's all it does. It makes you think, going, hmm, you know, okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. Or it could be a complete fabrication and we all got K-Babe and Lee Harvey Oswald really did both trick. Who knows? But too many people out there, myself included, know that, that, that something you know, is fishy going on with that. <laughs> and with that, I think this is a perfect place to go into our big time break. So, TC, is it all right to say that we have um, finally talked about this um, Kennedy conspiracy as one person, TC Vasani, sees it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, my bucket list is someone to invent a time machine. Uh, and that would be the first place I would travel to. I would go there like three days before and put cameras everywhere. <laughs> And hit record and and find out for myself what really happened that day because that's that is one of the greatest mysteries of not just in, in this country of all time what really happened November twenty second nineteen sixty three it's a million years ago but realistically it's not really that long ago it's not that long ago whatsoever and I have to tell you something TC if a time machine was invented I would like for you to take me on that trip and I hope that if a time machine does get invented I hope that it's in the form of a DeLorean. I hope so, too, because, uh, you know, last time I drove a DeLorean uh, 88 miles an hour, I got a parking, I mean, I got a speeding ticket. <laughs> <laughs> okay. T.C. Rastani, he's the host of um, Late Night Talk Show After Hours with T.C. Rastani, and uh, how many awards did the show win? Five. Five. Five awards. He's also the podcaster of uh, After Hours with T.C. Rastani, and follow T.C. Rastani at at After Hours TC on Twitter. Right now, we're going to go into our big time break. I usually don't say big time break, but in honor of my guest, TC Vistani, we're going into our big time break. And our big time break is going to be a fabulous second where you will see T.C. Rastani singing the Honky Tonk Man's theme song, but um, you got some pushback in the studio, T.C. I guess apparently they didn't like your singing. I guess not. I mean, you know... To each his own, I guess. <laughs> so, this is a big time break. We're going to a fabulous second. So, Nesta Dudley, TC Vistani, we will see you on the other side of this big time break. I got my long side burns and my hair slicked back. I'm coming to your town in a pink Cadillac. 
I'm just a honky-tonk man. He's a honky-tonk man. What? Wait. That's terrible. What do you mean it's terrible? Jeff's got a better idea. Jeff has a better idea? Better idea. Oh, come on. Jeff. Right, fine. Jeff. I know my musical talents aren't good. I'm going to go back to get Can I get ready? I'm going to go get ready to show you. Please do whatever do. you have to do. Come on. Here. Come oh, on. I have a oh, lot better nice. idea for a song. Hey, hey, do you know The Rainbow Connection by Kermit the Frog? Oh, that's, that's much nicer. Song. I love that song. It does. Sure. It's all like. Here we go. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Yeah, rainbows are memories, but only illusions. Rainbows have nothing to hide. So Connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. Nice, good choice, good choice. But why some say the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why 35 years ago fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win and the others too. But we shall send to the moon 240,000 miles away from the control station in Houston, a giant rocket more than 300 feet tall, the length of this football field, made of new metal alloys, some of which have not yet been invented, capable of standing heat and stresses, several times more than have ever been experienced, fitted together with a precision better than the finest watch, carrying all the equipment needed for propulsion, guidance, control, communications, food, and survival on an untried mission to an unknown celestial body, and then return it safely to Earth, re-entering the atmosphere at speeds of over 25,000 miles per hour causing heat about half that on the temperature of the sun, almost as hot as it is here today, and do all this, and do all this, and do it right, and do it first before this decade is out, then we must be bold. Welcome back to Beyond the Rim, the podcast. Hashtag Beyond the Rim, hashtag BTR. I'm your host, the Dudster, Nesta Dudley, along with my good friend of mine, TC Ristani. Follow him on Twitter at After Hours TC. What we have just seen, we had just seen the We Choose to Go to the Moon speech from President John F. Kennedy. 
uh, recorded in September 12th, 1962. And basically in that speech, he said by the end of the decade, we, the United States of America, will be the first to go to the moon. So history tells us that we did actually go to the moon. We were the first July 20th, 1969. So the moon landing was it factual or was it a work? He's even starting. Okay. <clears throat> the moon. Uh, it's a big uh, round thing in the sky, right? Right. <laughs> okay. Do I think we went to the moon? First and foremost, I'm going to say, I believe we have gone to the moon. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say that right off, off the bat. Do I believe what we saw on July 20th, 1969 was the actual time we went to the moon? Part of me says no. I think that was too perfect uh, that we it was played off that well, okay? Um, we, we talk about technology a lot, okay? We have more technology in our, in the, in the 1980s, we had more technology in our wrist digital watches than they did on the ship that brought them to the moon in 1969, okay? Mm-hmm. And it was made out of, you know, I mean, it was, I don't know exact molecular structure, of the actual capsule that brought them up there, but there was a lot of, you know, foil and whatnot. And we're going through the atmosphere, all right? The atmosphere and the, uh, and you know, all the ozone layers and all these other uh, fun things up there protect us from debris from space. Comets, meteors, I'm talking, you know, I'm not talking about the one that wiped out the dinosaurs, if that really happened. Uh, I'm talking <laughs> about it protects us. Now, we go out into space. I believe we have been into space, but... Going to the moon, I, 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 like I said at the top of this uh, interview, I think we did go, but I just don't think what we saw that day really happened. I think that may have been staged in a studio. And, and my big uh, <clears throat> question of this is, if we went there in 1969 and supposedly went a couple times after, how come we haven't gone back since 1972? That's a very good question. I don't know. I mean, and how come no other country has gone back? Since you know, ever, how come no other country has gone to the moon? You know, we're always in the oh, the, 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 the race with the Russians and all that other stuff. They have as much technology as we do. How come they didn't go? And you know what? And I cannot answer that. And a race is a race. So you know, all because somebody beat you in a race, that doesn't mean um, second, third, and fourth stop running. They continue through to finish the race. So naturally, right. so naturally, wouldn't it make sense that the Russians would have like, okay, well, we didn't get there first, but doggone it, we got there second. We well, got we're gonna there. Go, we're going to go there second. I mean, and like I said, we had more technology in our wristwatches in the 1980s than they did in that day going to the moon. I'm just saying that. I mean, look at look at some of the things. Like, like the flag was moving on, on the moon. There's no there's no wind on the moon, right? You know what that <laughs> that's something that I mean. Even as a kid, you know, when you first see this in grade school, and I don't even know what grade I was in, but when you first see this, right? You know, you know everything that we're taught that space is a vacuum. But then there it is. Right. But there it is. There's that flag just waving. So you know, a vacuum by definition is nothingness, right? Nothing. So how, so how could it be something waving, you know, now, now, it, now, if, if, you know, since there's absolute, you know, since there's very little gravity or no gravity, what does it say? The moon is one sixth the gravity of the uh, earth or something like that. So if the flag was maybe floating up, I don't know. But to me, that would be easier to swallow than the flag waving in the wind. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it was just basically they, they needed a symbol. 
uh, saying that, you know, you know, God bless the USA, and we did it first. There, there's the, our, our iconic flag floating in the wind on the moon where there's no wind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and they had television cameras up there covering it. I mean, who were the camera people? <laughs> I know. How do they get there? How did they get the camera equipment there? You know? Right. Uh, <laughs> if they've never been there before, how do they know the signal is going to work? <laughs> you know? I mean, what did they eat? What did they use to, uh, you know, you know, go to the bathroom? I mean, you know. What... <laughs> well, they explain that. If you ever saw the movie Space Camp, they explain how they went to the bathroom and whatnot. In space, okay. They had a, va- you know, a vacuum doing, the, uh, doing the, the, the gizmic. But I'm just saying, I mean, they got there. They landed. The eagle is landed. You know, granted, the, the, the actual capsule could have had cameras on it on the outside. But we know how big cameras were back in the day, in the 60s. Those things were ginormous. I mean, how did they put them out on the moon and send the signal back? I mean, obviously, yes, they could do that. They had radar and, you know, and all that other stuff, and, uh, satellites. But, I mean, it just was too perfect. You see what I'm saying? They've never been there. How do they know the signal was going to work? You know, I cannot answer that, but, and uh, I don't think anybody else can answer that either. Some... And, and did, did they leave the camera equipment there? Did they did. How come we didn't get broadcast from the moon? Right. You know, the camera's still there. <laughs> I don't know if they packed it up. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> and, and, and I'm saying that it's now been, what, 45, 46 years since we've been to the moon, supposedly? Mm-hmm. How come we haven't sent anybody back up there or even sent up a camera we can send a rover to mars and send back signals from 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 mars correct we have seen that or whatnot we have but how come we don't have uh, like a, a webcam on the moon we have webcams everywhere else on this planet why not have one and we have one on the space station that's you know orbiting around earth why not one on the moon I'm saying we did go to the moon. I'm not saying we didn't. We did not go to the moon. I'm just saying that that day, that uh, July 20th, 1969, what we saw on television, I wasn't around, but what people saw on television could have been fabricated. And if that's the case, is how come we haven't gone back? And if we did go, which I think we did, what did we really see up there that we made us not want to go back? That's interesting. That's interesting. And if we saw something that did not, that you know, why we would not want to go back? I mean, it certainly wouldn't be any type of a, a, a creature or anything like that because the uh, the boys would have never made it back. So what did... Right. The, yeah. Or, or, or my, my theory is, this is what I'm thinking they found up there when we did go up there. They found artifacts of an advanced civilization that once lived millions and millions of years ago, and they do not want to show that because that would really screw up the people on this planet. They found out that life here really began out there. Wow. You know, that's just my that's just my personal opinion on this. I mean, I don't I, I don't like I'm not going to get into religion or Darwinism or whatnot. But you know, space has been around for a long, 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 long time, even longer than we have been around here. Correct. Correct. Who's to say we didn't come from out there, or, or you know, whatever? That's what I'm just saying is with all of our advanced technology that we have, why haven't we gone back to the moon with our Advanced technology, cell phones, you know, all these cameras and whatnot. I mean, I may sound like a lunatic talking about this, but stop and think about it. I mean, you have six-year-old kids that can broadcast from the, anywhere in the world on their phone, and, and anybody in all of the world can see it. But we don't have any proof that we, we can go back to the moon. 
No, you're right. Uh, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldridge, uh, Michael Collins, uh, they were the three who landed on the moon. And uh, Neil Armstrong, I believe it was Neil Armstrong, famously said, one giant leap for mankind. Now, what did that really mean? I'm assuming Mick Foley. I he was talking about Mick Foley. <laughs> I was just going to say, Foley, so Mick Foley wasn't there either because Mick Foley, he wouldn't be old enough to have been there himself. So I don't know. Could it be that one giant leap for man camp, mankind? Could that be? Okay, now uh, we're going to leap over coming or exploring the moon any further and go on to Mars and other planets? Could have meant that. Who knows? I mean, <clears throat> there are a lot of people out there who have uh, not just wacky theories, but different opinions about what happened. And there's a guy out there, look him up, a guy by the name of Richard C. Hoagland. Now, Richard C. Hoagland used to work for NASA, and he was the science correspondent for Walter Cronkite and all this other stuff. And he has, you know, discovered crazy stuff that takes place out in the celestial world out there, the moon, Mars, whatever, of structures that are on the are, are on the moon and are on Mars and whatnot, uh, but we never see them. Obviously, um, you know, we, have we ever been to the dark side of the moon other than like the Pink Floyd album? No, other no other than in uh, 1978 uh, when Superman went to the dark side of the moon. Uh, it was it Superman or, or maybe it was Superman two and stuff like that? But other than that, no, no. I mean, who knows what's really up there? I mean, <clears throat> I think that there are things up on the moon that they found that they don't want anybody to know about because it would create a ruckus on this planet. It would be like, are you kidding me? This is really what's up there? Uh-oh. I mean, this this throws everything we've ever been taught out the window. Right. You know? And how? And, and every time someone wants to, you know, these billionaires say, oh, we're going to go back to the moon and whatnot, something happens. And, you know, it gets shut down or they lose interest. Or Who's really telling them, hey, do not go there, Okay. <laughs> I mean, we have, what, so rocks from the moon? Those rocks could have been taken from a desert somewhere on this planet. Who really knows? Who really knows? And why have no Who other... Who really knows? And why have no other countries have gone to the moon? That's the big, that's the big smoking gun. How come, now, we're supposedly, you know, enemies with Russia and China and Korea and all these other countries. How come, just to prove us wrong, they don't send someone up there with a camera saying, look, hi, we're up here. No one's ever gone. We don't see any footprints here. We don't see any flag. <laughs> right. No one has ever gone. Now, I mean, if the flag, I'm, I, I don't know if the flag is still there, or I don't know if the Star Spangled Banner um, You know, we must have telescopes. People must have telescopes on this planet that are very powerful. They can actually see what's up there on the moon. I'm, I, I'm no, uh, you know, astronomer, but there's got to be something up there. If there's something there, how come we haven't seen it? That's a very good question. How come? Big, these, are the things, these are the theories that I want to make people to think about. Like I said, I am not an astronomer. I am not an expert. I know I've never been to the moon. I know people that should be on the moon, but I've never <laughs> been to the moon. Uh, but I'm wondering, it's so close. We have all this technology. We've had space shuttles go up to up, you know, orbiting the Earth and taking great, beautiful photos and whatnot. But how come in 1969 we went to the moon, supposedly, but we haven't gone back since 1972? And the technology is so far advanced. I mean, I could build the rocket that they took in my basement and go up to the moon <laughs> if I wanted to, right? But why don't we go back? You know, funding, 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 funding. We had enough funding in the 60s to do it. You got that right. <laughs> so I don't know. These, these are the things that just make me, make me think about, about these crazy theories and whatnot, and you never know. And, you know, maybe with people out there who are listening... We'll be like, hey, you know what? These guys are 
samurai, right? They're making some sort of common sense. Why don't we go do it? <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I'd be the first one to get on, on, on a, a rocket ship to go up there to see what really is up there. Um. I don't know if I would go on a rocket ship to go up there. I mean, I'm more interested in time traveling than uh, going to the moon. But I tell you what, if you do get to the moon, D.C., you know, send me some pictures and stuff. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, we have each other's uh, uh, cell numbers, obviously, and stuff. You know, maybe, you, you know. I'll text you a picture I, I, of uh, the Sea of Tranquility. <laughs> I was just going to fix, you know, I was going to say, you know, I mean, you know, will your cell phone provider have the um, tower uh, powerful enough for you to uh, text me a picture from? <laughs> that is true. Well, you know, but basically, maybe I could use the camera that was left there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, me and my sequin jacket could just do a, we could do a live broadcast interview from the moon. Uh, well, TC, I have to say that I enjoyed this podcast and this has been the quickest uh, hour of uh, podcast that I have ever done. So do you have any final words out there for the folks, TC, TC Vistani? Uh, this is After Hours, and uh, we never close. <laughs> Once again, my good friend T.C. Vistani. He is the uh, late-night talk show host of After Hours with T.C. Vistani. He is also has a podcast by the same name, After Hours with T.C. Vistani. You can follow him on Twitter at, at After Hours T.C. Subscribe to his YouTube channel. So subscribe to YouTube.com. After Hours TC, hashtag TC on my TV. Once again, hashtag TC on my TV. You can follow TC Vistani at, 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 at After Hours TC. Subscribe to his YouTube channel, YouTube After Hours TC. I'm your host, the Dudster, Nestor Dudley. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Nestor Dudley. You can stream this podcast on all podcasts on our temporary home. I said temporary home. ATRlive.com. You can also stream this podcast on the YouTube platform, iTunes platform, platform, and podcast.com. So until next time, I just say buenas noches, hooches cooches. I came in peace. I leave with love. This is for the red, the black, and the green. Living cool, living calm, living clean. I'm out.